The following is a 5 for 2 production. Springsteen. Uh, Shovels and ropes. Sick of it all. Spectre. Slayer. Paul Stanley. Speed Dealers. Steppenwolf. Stain. Dr. Todd, how are we going to get through all this? I have, I said last week I had 57 bands. What the fuck? How long have we been going, Kevin? We've been, we've been reading off S's all week long since last Sunday. Let's 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 cut the <laughs> bullshit, all right? Because half of my s's are in the "Who Gives a Fuck" category, anyhow. So for the all right, let's back up for a sec. Welcome back to Ticket Stubs. Hi everybody. Hey everybody. If 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 they're still uh, if they've ever made it through last week's marathon episode, hey, Christ. Uh, I, I, I look. I changed shirts and took a nap by the time the time that we were reading all this shit. Todd, I've seen movies. I've seen uh, some of my favorite movies are not as long as last week's episode. No kidding. All right. So, again, most of my S's are in the who gives a shit category. Soraya, Joe Saturan, who, Joe Saturan, who gives a shit? Uh, Boss Gags, even the Scorpions. I'm sorry. I fell. I took a nap in the Scorpions. I actually, I wanted to mention the Scorpions only. I'll just mention them right here. We'll get them out of the way. They were my fourth concert. Um, there it is there at the Ohio Center. My first show at the Ohio Center. They were probably um, still good then. It, it was very good. It was the tour where they were recording Worldwide Live. So, you know, it was that stage set up. The opening act was that 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 unknown act that I saw twice with Rat. Bon Jovi, yeah. Bon, yeah, okay, yeah, them. But the, the story I wanted to tell about the Scorps, uh, I went with my friend Yancey Kayser, and uh, I talked about him in the past. We've I've seen a few shows with him. He was present with me uh, when, when uh, Zonker crashed into the car on the way to the Iron Maiden show. But uh, so Yance and I uh, come to Columbus solo for the Scorpions concert, and uh, we're we're driving all over the place uh, trying to find the Ohio Center. We pull over at a White Castle, and we go in and we ask, "Could you tell us where High Street is?" And they start laughing at us. They said, "Yes, you're you're on it." So that Dude. was my, that was welcome to Columbus, uh, young impressionable sixteen year old Kevin. That's, so. that's that's like me and Farring getting out of New Orleans and asking where Bourbon Street is. So. I, didn't know, right, so, man. But all right, uh, move, move, moving on. Okay. Uh, uh, Pete Seeger, where I talked about that story. Bob Seeger, we've seen before. God bless him. Yep. I I talked about my first show in our G episode. Uh, it kind of didn't count because I only saw Georgia satellites and then I blacked out from all the whiskey I drank. So my makeup you show and, was. You and I saw Seeger on one of his reunion tours. One that was of the my best makeup shows I've ever seen in Columbus. That was and my I'm makeup sure. show. He may be from Detroit, but he played a lot of gigs in Columbus. So uh, yeah, yeah, what the sh- the Sugar Shack? He played the Sugar Shack. That yes, was indeed. the yes, indeed. I was looking at some old retro T-shirts online. I almost uh, was considering buying a Sugar Shack T-shirt, but I'm like, nah, I, I wasn't old enough to really remember it. So I, I... so shout out to Bob uh, right. Brian Setzer. You know, here's a show I missed, Kev. When I lived in L.A., I had a chance to see Brian Setzer with the full goddamn orchestra at the Viper Club in LA. Now that's a tiny little, the Viper room is a tiny little place. Uh, you know, uh, so I, I missed out on that one. Although I did see him, uh, open for Tom Petty and 
One of the coolest parts was I'm, I'm 30 rows back, huge, you know, Hershey Stadium. No one is, no one is standing up besides me. And, uh, and security ah. from 30 feet up is giving me the sit-down sign. Foreshadowing of a story that will come later. All right, so Brian Setzer <laughs> is playing I Fought the Law. Well, damn it, I was fighting the law. I, I told, I looked the security guard up and like, no, I'm not sitting down. I don't give a shit. Hey, look, if you're behind me and you can't see, move the fuck around or stand up yourself, you asshole. So, you know, while, while Brian Setzer was playing I Fought the Law, I was fighting the fucking law, and I swear to Christ, Brian Setzer saw me standing up from 30 rows back and gave me the high five. So, God right on, right Brian on. Setzer. Now, Todd, you're already up to the SEs. I want to double back to SA because I have a prop and a show and tell here. Um, right. I, I want to talk about sabotage just really quickly. I know not, you know, your thing, but back in the day, they did. Uh, they I remember them. They were an OSR band. Right. Uh, I played them. I, I, if you listen every Friday on Damage Incorporated or um, uh, uh, Caught in the Mosh, they're almost on every playlist. I was obviously very into them back then. But I did interview them. They came on WSR when they opened for Dio and uh, Megadeth at the Ohio Center. So there's a signed record. How come and, I wasn't at that interview? Where was I then? Um, I, was, I was at that show with you. Yeah, I know. I don't know why you were at the interview. Yeah, Dave Clark, your old uh, buddy uh, on um, uh, Look What the Cat Tried Again, he was there. He was kind of. Well, you probably you took Dave and not me. That's what it was. <laughs> All right, well, now we know the real story. All right, and, fine. Anyway, uh, but uh, this does feature a uh, autograph from Chris Oliva, who uh, is no longer with us. Rest in peace. And then um, we'll talk about what happened to Sabotage later in their career when we get to next week's show with the T's and we start, and I mentioned uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. But all right, all right. We, can move, we can move on from there. There's my show right. and tell for the... Shanana. Shanana. Uh, wish Shana. I would have seen Shanana. I either saw, I, I either saw, again, this is a six, seven-year-old's memory here, uh, <laughs> still trying to function at age 51. I either saw Shanana at the, at the uh, Columbus Zoo or I saw them open for the Bay City Rollers at the Ohio State Fair. One of the two. I know I saw them. So one of the lists. So give a shout out to Shanana. Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Uh, here we go. Here's, 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 the sto- here's the story I want to tell. So uh, did you see him before the show that I'm going to talk about? I don't think Columbus? I ever saw him before this. Okay. All right. Now, now. now for a little setup for those who didn't okay. know. At the time of this concert, they they had just gotten through with the most recent Simon and Garfunkel tour, mm-hmm. which cost about five thousand dollars, you know, a seat. So Paul Simon immediately started on this next tour, and no offense, they didn't sell that well. That's In right. Fact, well, if you remember, he rehearsed the entire opening week of the tour here in Columbus. That I, was, I, I remember that. It, it was the opening night of the tour, and originally the tour was booked into arenas. Well, they realized real quickly that wasn't going to work out, so most of the shows were moved to theaters. The Columbus show, since he was already booked there and was already rehearsing there all week long, they went ahead and had the show. You know, they curtained off the top, and Ticketmaster had a, a sale, a free sale. All you had to do was pay the service fee of three dollars to print print the ticket on your own like printer 250. at home. <laughs> I, got, like I, got, I got four tickets for ten bucks. So uh, Todd and Heather and I and our friend Will went. Uh, yeah, I, and, like, don't forget, there's somebody else, but we won't mention them by name. Okay, okay, yeah, but uh, so if if you've ever seen the old Saturday Night Live skit where they're at the Bob Dylan concert and the couple are asking the guy in front of them who's like just whooping it up and going crazy. And they tap him on the shoulder. They said, sir, um, 
10,000 of us have made a collective decision to sit, you know? Well, we, we kind of, at a lot of shows, you got to admit, Todd, we skew on the older end of the audience. At the Paul Simon concert, we were like the spring chickens, man. I mean, most people had a hard time getting to their seats, let alone being able to stand up and rock out. But Todd decided that uh, he wanted to uh, stand during the show and, and rock out. And he was really getting into this show. And <laughs> I forget what song you were screaming and, and asking for, but when he actually played Julio down by the schoolyard, you would have thought Todd was at a heavy metal concert. I mean, he's like, yeah, woo, yeah. We were so embarrassed that uh, we ditched you. <laughs> the three of us, me, Will, and Heather moved to the other side of the arena because there were plenty of seats available in the arena, folks, let me tell you. So later on, three, four songs down the, down the uh, row, uh, uh, down the set list, it's very quiet between songs, and we hear this voice out of the darkness from the floor. So. Wait, wait, don't don't ruin, don't ruin the punchline. Yeah, you want to say what you yelled out? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, well, I'll give it to you. We heard a voice out of the darkness in the arena on the floor, and we said, that sounded a lot like Todd. And well, well, Paul noticed this voice. <laughs> All right, so now... I don't know what happened to you. After after you ditched me, I must have stuck around with this other person or went off of my. All I know is because Herb was there too. Okay. And uh, coming up on episode W, Herb show, we I ended up going from our seats, which were pretty decent seats for ten dollars. Uh, you know, uh, in in the in the first level of the bowl, looking at the stage, we ended up on the floor. I don't know, about 30 rows back, something like that. That's where and, I heard the voice come from. And so at one point, it was very, very quiet. You could hear a pin drop in this place. Not a lot of people were making noise. And and Paul said, so I, I guess this is the part of the show where I answer questions. And so I yelled out a question. And now, again, this this must have been 2000, 2004. I... How do you feel about the Bush administration? <laughs> Paul was like, how do I feel about the Bush administration? How do I feel about the Bush administration? <laughs> Not really sure how to answer that. I, I, stumped, I stumped Paul Simon. And now, another... Now know you how he heard, felt about the Bush administration. You honestly. may have heard my voice, but our mutual friend that we went with was sitting in a different area, and he yelled out another question which I think would have been even funnier if Paul had responded to. I don't know that I remember this. Our, our friend yelled, what's it like to sleep with Edie Burkell? <laughs> much better question. Much better question. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So that, that, that's the Paul Simon story. <laughs> um, uh, we, I've got a whole other – all right. I've got a, Skid Row, do we need to talk about him? Not really. No. Um, I uh, – other than uh, I, first band I ever fell asleep I've seen the Hollywood to. Palladium. I've you know I've seen them open for Kiss. I, Did you, you know. see them with Sebastian Bach though? Did you? Oh, see yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. I saw I saw them open for Aerosmith. I fell asleep during like. Uh, if whatever. we're gonna talk about Skid Row or Sebastian Bach, I'd rather talk about his uh, his appearances on the uh, on the Trailer Park Boys. That's more entertaining. <laughs> but, or uh, the the Gilmore Girls. Um, Heather recently got into that show, so I've seen him on there. No, but last year, Todd, uh, I I did see Skid Row back 
back in the day, I saw him over Aerosmith. Like I was, I was just joking. I mean, not a joke. I f- fell asleep during their set, uh, whatever the, one of the ballad was. But uh, I remember you or something. I remember you. And then <laughs> I, I saw them. You that night. <laughs> <laughs> then I saw them over for Guns N' Roses, which we the the show I talked about. I saw that. Yeah. The sh- well, the you, show I. Yeah, but the show I talked about on our episode G, where I actually spent the afternoon in jail uh, in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Um, but uh, they opened that show. But la- and then I saw Skid Row with the other singer a couple times too, opening for Kiss, and they played a show with LA Guns in Portsmouth. Uh, yeah, I think we saw him with Kiss. But last fall, this is all I want to mention. Uh, I saw Heather and I went to uh, Scully's and saw Sebastian Bach perform the entire first Skid Row album in its entirety. And I'd rather see the second one. <laughs> it, w- it was good. He actually, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, he did uh, Monkey Business for his encore. So after he did the, you know, the first album. But uh, it was kind of cool because we were on the side of the stage. And Heather carries around, I don't know if you know, remember, she carries around this little motorized fan <laughs> that she overs up. <laughs> so she was literally, because we were right on the edge of the stage at Scully's, which, you know, it's a tiny place. You're right up against them. So he puts so, his crotch right No, no, just listen to the dance story. I don't add any anything that's going to make I'm me just have guessing. to. And, it, and it's going to make me have to edit this. It's really not that exciting. Um, but she Pass was. It up. <laughs> she was fanning his guitar player throughout the entire show. The dude was kind of coming over, you know, like, thanks. Well, Bach kind of looks over and he sees that. He, he runs over at one point and he takes it out of her hands and he goes over to the center of the stage. He says, Look, dudes, it's my biggest fan. <laughs> but I'm boom. Very funny. Yes, very funny. And, All right. And, in the process, he turned the damn thing off and turned the light on. So he was basically sitting there holding this little spotlight. <laughs> anyway, you can watch that whole show on YouTube. Go look it up, Scully's. All right, moving on. Slayer, I, that's yours. That's all you. Slayer, my first show, um, it was the first show. I've seen, show him, I, I've seen him once. I could have seen him twice. Once was enough. Wow. I saw them, God, probably as many times as I saw Rush, but I only have a, I, I noted just a, a few three three main stories here Todd um the first time I saw them they were opening for uh, Wasp at the uh, Newport and right. you know I was fresh out of high school I liked Wasp that's kind of who I was going to see I kind of knew I was in the Metallica I think I'd seen Anthrax at that point you know you're going to hell Kevin this that, you're getting ahead of me again Mr. Uh, Mr. Demon on my shoulder but uh, so I went to the show at the Newport. Number one, I knew I was in trouble when I'm standing in line, and everybody in line are like, "Who are you here to see?" They're like, "Slayer, Slayer." I'm kind of like, I'm, uh, "Wasp." I, I I like I already <laughs> talked I already talked about the opening <laughs> act. I already talked about the opening act, Raven, uh, in our our episode. But I was like, uh, uh, "I like all the bands." <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't want to say I like Wasp. I, I can kind of tell that right then, but. So I talked about uh, Raven, uh, how the crowd, you know, obviously was there to see Slayer. This was back when, if you were 18 or younger, you had to go to the balcony of the Newport. I don't know if you ever remember shows like that. I think by the time you came to college here. By the time I got there in 87, yeah. I mean, integrated. I only remember, this is honestly the only show I ever remember this being the case. But I got there fairly early, and I was right up against, right over the stage. You know, the balcony of the Newport is basically right there. Slayer comes on, and again, I barely had heard a note of their music, but boom, boom, boom. They open with Rainy Blood, and the lights go on, and they have these big lighted upside-down crosses on their amps, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to hell. By the way, <laughs> Kevin's a very devout Catholic. 
uh, coincidentally, so is Tom Mariah, the lead singer of Slayer. Maybe that's why he finally retired. He couldn't, uh, his guy just couldn't handle it anymore. He still wanted to try to get into heaven. <laughs> but then uh, I saw them. I did a lot of good with my music. <laughs> the first time they headlined the Newport on the South of Heaven tour, uh, Motorhead and Overkill opened. And that's when I actually got to uh, interview Motorhead on the bus. Uh, we told that story in episode M. And then I saw uh, last year, here I show this, we talked about this in peace. Let's see, we can wrap up Slayer quickly because I already told all the stories. Uh, the final, Slayer, the final campaign. And they had uh, Primus with them, uh, Ministry, and uh, Phil Anselmo doing uh, Pantera songs. But basic, basically Slayer Todd are one of those kind of consistent bands like uh, – the Ramones or Cheap Trick, you know, you've seen one set. It's not like you've seen them all, but you know, you know when you go. You know what you know, you're going to get. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. Well, look, gonna... uh, there, there, there's bands like Rush who literally play the same set almost every single night. Now, there may be an A set and a B set where they change things up a little bit, but for the most part, it's one or the other. And then there are bands like, you know, Aerosmith or even Jimmy Buffett who – yeah, they'll have a regular set, but every night they'll throw one or two chestnuts in there. Something, mm -hmm. something to keep you coming back for more than one show during the tour. So, you know, that's that, that's what I always appreciate in a band. So. Yeah, Slayer's pretty much the, you know, they write the set list at the beginning of the tour, and that's pretty much what you're going to see. Yeah, yeah. So. so you see them once, you see them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No no need to follow that, you know, that tour around. But uh, All right, Slip, uh, Slipknot, have you, ever, have you ever seen Slipknot, Todd? Just out of curiosity? No. Okay. I've seen him a couple of times. The first time I saw him was in the parking lot of the Al Rosa Villa. <laughs> they, they did. There's a big show there. Uh, they uh, machine. Sounds head, like I a good venue like. for Slipknot, to be honest. Uh, it, was, you know. it was. It was pretty cool. And then I've seen him. I think I saw him on an Ozfest somewhere. Sorry, man. I'm I'm too old, and I'm not that angry. Not, <laughs> not really my thing either. But uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I you know, been there, done that. So it kind of guar. You know, yeah, uh, it's like, look, I saw Guar. I, I don't need to see fucking Slipknot. You know what I mean? And I, have, uh, I also saw. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of bands, you only see one Slaughter. <laughs> saw them open for Quiet Riot at the fair. We already uh, we talked about that. moving mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. Smithereens. Now, Smithereens. The, only, the only reason I'm going to mention Smithereens is because they are one of the favorite bands of a couple of our upcoming maybe guests. Mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact Herb Shup loves them. I know for a fact that Colin Gow loves the Smithereens. Mm -hmm. Now, when I moved to Hollywood back in 95, uh, Watershed was on their first national tour, co-headlining, opening for the Smithereens. They're, you know, they're heroes. And, you know, so it was very exciting. And the final show of the tour uh, was uh, in Los Angeles at the House of Blues, which is no longer there anymore. And, uh, you know, I had already been living in L.A. for a couple months. So it was kind of cool to have the guys come into town. I could show them around a little bit. Took them out to, you know, Barney's Beanery. And uh, Quentin Tarantino was there. We scared the shit out of him. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I had a great time. I, I'm, getting, I'm getting off into a watershed story. I'll let, I'll let Colin and, and, <laughs> and Herb finish it. But that's the, pretty much the only reason why I ever saw the Smithereens. Actually, uh, you, you saw them another time with me. Who did they open for? Yeah, uh, they didn't open. They headlined uh, MTV Spring Break on the beach uh, when we uh, played Florida. Oh, I, I, just, I, I just read the journal entry, so I know you were at least present. You know, I'll have to add it on my concert list because I know damn well I did not have that written down. 
And then I saw them uh, one other time, Todd. What a mismatch, and Bill, for uh, New Jersey, uh, for uh, New Jersey's own, the Smithereens. I mentioned New Jersey because I'm sure that's the only reason they were on the bill. When I saw Bon Jovi headline at uh, Buckeye Lake on the uh, Slippery and Wet tour, uh, Cinderella were the uh, you know direct support. They're Philly. Winger were the openers, which probably sure. would probably would have been better going on right before Cinderella. Right. But sandwiched between Cinderella and Winger were the Smithereens. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh my God, Todd! Some I just remember some chick standing next to me screaming at the top of her lungs. I actually liked the Smithereens. I was like, "This is pretty cool. I get to see the Smithereens because this was before the spring break uh, time. So that was this was the first time I saw them." But this chick, the entire time, I think their set was only twenty minutes long. And she's like, "Get the fuck off the stage, you fucking suck!" I mean, top of her lungs the entire time, you know. Uh, beard cocaine is a hell of a drug, folks. <laughs> uh, all right, so anyway, that's the smithereens there. Right, so Rest yeah, in we'll, peace, we'll, we'll uh, Pat. That uh, with watershed social distortion. Now, I uh, saw them at the Newport with the Ramones. So I did, and and I want, but again, I want to hold that story okay. until the W's. So, okay. um, moving on on that one, okay, okay, Sound yeah, Soundgarden. Soundgarden, uh, we've, we've already discussed your last Soundgarden show, and I think mine as well, uh, during uh. The 96 Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, Todd, uh, let me stand up here. We talked about right. this a little bit uh, in our P. What okay. would have been his last show, and he made it one more damn day. Dude, I honestly think he just couldn't handle the pressure of, uh, like, headlining a goddamn stadium show. <laughs> I really, you know. What a, I mean, what a loss. Um, but... Um, when was the when was the first time you saw them? All right, so now here's the story. Okay, that I was gonna tell during the Faith No More episode back in the S. Okay, I have a few Soundgarden stories. You want to be the headliner for Soundgarden? Or do you want me to tell a couple? You go ahead, tell your shit, and I'll finish it up. <laughs> okay, so uh, the first time I saw them was um, headlining the Newport uh, on the Louder Than Love tour. Um, Matt Reber, uh, who we talked about, New Bomb Turks, uh, he actually turned me on to Soundgarden when I was metal director at WSR. He, he, he was music director, and he walked in one day, he said, hey, uh, you, you, you do the metal show, right? Well, I'm a metal director. Of course I do a metal show. He said, here, you, you'll, you'll like this band, and he handed me Louder Than Love, and I'm like, uh, sound, okay. He's like, kind of sounds like Led Zeppelin meets Black Sabbath. I'm like, cool, I'm, I'm down with that. So I threw on the first song off that album, Ugly Truth, completely you know song unheard and was hooked immediately but they came around to the newport on that tour and they had a opening act by the name of blind melon it turns out they were doing axel rose a favor because soundgarden had opened for guns and roses in europe and axel you know grew up with shannon hoon uh, he was kind of like a younger you know like a you know younger hanger on of axel's and uh you know, I think Axel called it a favor on that one. You know, my buddy's band aren't even signed yet, but, you know, they're you know, out you know, to this tour. So that was kind of cool. Blind Melon did get signed shortly after that. What year was that? Uh, God, that would have been, what, 1990, 91? What year was the year with uh, Faith No More and, and uh, Voivod? Voivod, um, that would have been, yeah, 90. Yeah, ninety one. Nice. I, I don't. I didn't grab the stub for that, so I'd have to look. I'll look that tour up while you tell your story. So yeah, right, they. So. Uh, they did your did the show the story you're about to tell did it take place at the Newport when they came here? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, the Voivod okay. Vo- Faith No More story. Right, right. Now, this is people. This is absolutely a true story. At one time, Voivod, who you've was, probably was never heard of, or in Soundgarden, probably nine nine out of ten people at least that are watching this show have never heard of Voivod. They were the headliners, <laughs> and then Soundgarden and Faith No More were actually underneath them. And Faith No More actually had the biggest hit at the time because Epic, you know, had just taken off. They were really starting to you know, take off. But anyway, I'm going to look up the date of our show while you uh, tell your story here. All right. So I, I apparently I didn't go with you or I, I don't know who I went with, but uh, I was still working at QFM at the time. And I think it was Joe Robinson's boyfriend or something. One of, one of the DJ's boyfriends like, Hey Todd, you want to go backstage? Sure. <laughs> why not? You know? And um, so we, we just got backstage. He went one way. I went the other and I'm wandering around and, went into the little side dressing room and there's faith no more. And then Jim Martin and, and uh, all the guys in the band, they're drinking some beers. Hey, you want to Heineken? Sure. Why not? You know, then this big fat Texan guy with like a big, you know, big cowboy hat and a fat looking blonde hooker with big, big titties comes in. And he had this Bob Marley joint about yay big. And I, I ended up just smoking a shitload of weed with Faith No More and just drinking their Heinekens and getting all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> and uh, so after about you know, 20 minutes or so, I was feeling a little paranoid, to be honest. <laughs> <And> I'm <laughs> hanging out with this band I didn't know shit about, and I'm drinking their beer and fucking smoking weed. And I'm like, I, I, thanks, guys. I'll touch you. I have a great show. And uh, so I'm wandering around the backstage of the Newport, and and there's a, some security guy. I said, dude, I, you know, I'm not doing anything. Do you need me to help you with anything? you need anything done? He's like, yeah, go in the back room and tell Chris and Kim they're on in five. All right. Who's Chris? And Kim? Oh, it's Chris and Kim. Okay. So I walk back to the back dressing room. You guys, Chris and Kim? Yeah, you're on in five. Cool. All right. By the way, I, I'm Todd Baker. I'm the program director for the college radio station. Nice to have you in Columbus. Good to see you. Now. Thanks very much for playing the Newport. I didn't know shit about these guys, but uh, and that 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 was the closest I came to uh, you know to meeting uh, uh, Chris Cornell and, and Kim Thale. So that, speaking of, uh, oh, good, yes. Rest in, I was going to say that that is that is my Soundgarden story. So. Rest in peace, uh, rest in peace, Chris Cornell. Um, uh, speaking of backstage passes, um, I had I found this when I was looking for props. This is actually from the uh, show that uh, we, your first clutch show. Uh, this is Seven Dust at ah. the Rosa Villa. We told that story back in our C, so you can go back yeah. and hear that about us being in the uh, room with Lejean as he was getting ready for to go on stage. Um, let's see what else we got here, Todd. Uh, well, I already told I already told the Spectre story in Kicks, so yeah. we don't have to go through that. Right, right. Uh, Ralph Stanley, one of your favorites, country legend. Song. Yeah, you, you mentioned – you saw him once with the Drive-By Truckers, right? Yep. I did get to see him once. He headlined um, the little amphitheater down in front of uh, Kosai uh, here. I think he was around 85 years old. I just remember him uh, singing Amazing Grace, and he did it like in the old school um, call and response style. He actually would just re- – he'd be like – Amazing Grace, how sweet to sound. He just talk it, then the band would sing it, you know. It it was really cool, and I just remember, I hadn't seen a friend of ours, a guy named Andy, in many, many years at that point, but I ran into him right at the point that Ralph Stanley was about to start singing Oh Death, 
So it's like, hey, good to see you, but sorry, just I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I know it's been 13 years, but we can wait another 20 minutes. So. That's right, right. So that's my Ralph Stanley story. I'm glad I got to see him before he passed away. One of my yeah. one of my favorite of all time. Yeah, it's, it's one of those guys that I, I you know, I, I only know about through through a history of music. But again, it's just something I can say I'm glad I saw. Todd, uh, here's one we saw together, made of Staples. Well, wait a minute. What about uh, the other Stanley? Uh, <laughs> well, we kind of talked. Right, we right. We kind of the Kiss episode or no? Yeah, we did. We we did, we talked about it on our Kiss episode, but we did All see right, him well, at the Newport in '89. Uh, so uh, it was good. Very. Right. That, that was cool just to see Paul that close. I mean, my first Kiss concert, I was actually well, that was actually close. A decent set list for a change. Jesus Christ, uh, you know. My first Kiss concert, um, as I talked about in K, uh, I did rush the stage, so I was just as close then. But yeah, I think that Newport was, you know, was like, uh, that was like, holy crap. But anyway, uh, that was my Paul Still. Uh, that was before Paul really started losing his hair too and started wearing a wig. <laughs> I remember he still had some kind of. What real year was long, that? Like eighty-five. No. Some real long, real some long, real hair. But all right, so Mavis Staples. Well, Steely Dan. Ah, uh, I've never saw Steely Dan. And besides, Steely comes after Staples. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> There's not really much to say about Mavis Staples, just the fact that we, you know, we got we to see her. her. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's so. kind of like Ralph Stanley. It's like, yeah, you know, you saw you saw a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but she's still alive, right? Mavis. Yep. Sure is. Yep. Yep. Sure is. I just remember. I uh, remember her backup singer was Kelly Hogan. Uh, and uh, we were almost just as excited to see her. Uh, well, we, Kelly, if you don't know who Kelly Hogan, and she's a great singer in her own right, uh, but she also did a lot of backup vocals on Drive By Truckers, um, fantastic album. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, yep, yep, exactly. So, so. so, so that that's and we, and Kevin and I were both wearing trucker shirts at the time, so we're like, Kelly, come talk to us. So, Todd, I'm sure you haven't seen this band, so I'll just uh, talk about them real quick. Uh, do you remember the 70s band Stars with a Z? S-T-A-R-Z? I remember it was one of Bill Coyne's failed attempts. At okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, he did, uh, you know, put some backing behind them. The singer was a guy named Michael Lee Smith. His brother was, uh, do you remember uh, Heartthrob in the 70s? Rex Smith? Uh, no. The band Rex? Okay, anyway. Um Stars were, uh, you know, at least arena level, cheap trick level in the late 70s. Um, but last year uh, in Dayton, uh, right when I first moved into the house, I remember I had just moved in a load of all my shit here. And then I was like, honey, I got to go. I told Heather, I got to go down to Dayton and see one of my all-time favorite bands is a band called Angel uh, from the 70s. Another band didn't really well, make Angel it. Angel and Stars. Yeah, they were both, both yeah. Bill Coin, you know. Both, both uh, yeah, Kiss Connection. Uh, Angel, weren't they supposed to be like the anti-Kiss or something like that? Uh, you yeah, know? who knows? Something like that. But anyway, I, I love Angel. So uh, I went to saw Angel and Star- I went to see Angel and Stars at a little place called the Courtyard Lounge in Dayton. Todd, there were like 30 people there. I mean, you know. It, it, but I will say this. Both bands, if you closed your eyes... It sounded, you were in 1979. Both bands sounded great. If you opened your eyes, you were back in 2019 again because they were very, very uh, old looking, you know. I I looked up, I ended up really getting into Stars after that, uh, after that show and I went and bought all their albums at the used store, dollar piece, you know. But uh, I noticed that their guitar player, he was losing his hair. He had very thin hair on the very first Stars album in the early 70s. he had a real nice big 20 years later, <laughs> Amazing. 20, 40. But uh, yeah, the, the one funny thing about that, it being in Dayton, and then we can move on. Um, 
between acts, we were sitting outside, me and some of my friends, and we were looking up on a site called headlines.com. It shows you old newspaper clippings. And we were actually looking at, uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. We were looking at uh, uh, at uh, newspaper ads from the 70s of Angel and Stars, both when they were like headlining Hair Arena. <laughs> and so yeah, now they're playing the Courtyard Mounds for uh, 30 people. I'm glad they went on tour, though, because I'm glad I you know, got to see those acts. Hey, no offense. At this point, I think anybody will take a gig at the Courtyard Lounge at this <laughs> point. So, you know. All right, so uh, moving on from stars. Uh, all right, so all right, I've only got a few just even worth mentioning, and then you know I think we've got like maybe two majors to really hit. Yeah, I've got two majors to hit. Um, we, we haven't even we haven't talked about Springsteen. No, you know I never saw Springsteen. Uh, well, then I got some you, stories. Yeah, you can chastise me in the next segment. Um, here's one I'll mention real quick since we're kind of wrapping up the honorable mention. I'm sure you never saw them, but a band called Static X. Um, the, I knew who they are. Okay. I never saw them. I'm not a big fan. The only reason I mention it, um, number one, people think it's bad that Kiss put Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer in Ace and Peter's makeup. For fuck's sake, Static X right now literally have a guy out there. Their singer, Wayne Static, is dead. They literally have a guy out there fronting the band that wears a Wayne Static zombie mask. (laughs) That's bad taste. That is bad. In my opinion, that's very bad taste. But the only reason I bring them up is because one of uh, Heather and I's uh, early dates. uh, I love Alice Cooper. So, you know, if I, you know, if I say that's bad taste, that's fucking bad taste. Right. We've seen Guar. But uh, anyway, uh, one of Heather and I's early dates. So uh, this has been a pattern on the show. You see, uh, in, the, in our early days of going out, I took her to a lot of concerts. But uh, uh, my old roommate uh, was uh, friends with, uh, like, one of the roadies from uh, Static X, who actually, Todd, went on to be a roadie for Cheap Trick for many years and has since passed away, a guy named Larry. So give him a shout out. But, um right. Anyway, uh, we drove to Toledo to see them at a place called the Main Event, and well, we were in, we were uh, welcomed to the band before or after the guy died. This <laughs> before uh, this is uh, we were welcomed to the band's beer at that time because we were guests of the band. And I remember two things: we stood in the back, and we they had one of the old fashioned punch clocks for their employees at the place. We went down the line, and we clocked out everybody that was clocked in, and we clocked in everyone. <laughs> I'm sure payroll's a bitch that week, but uh, also I just want to, I want to embarrass Heather a little bit here. Uh, She ended up uh, vomiting in this uh, toilet uh, that wasn't a real toilet. It was a decoration in the dressing room for the- Oh, Heather! (laughs) (laughs) She just closed, we just closed the lid and, you know, she cleaned up and we moved on. So anyway, there's my static X story. Don't use the toilet. (laughs) That's my static X story, brother. Uh, We we Uh, talked about Steppenwolf and John Kay. I was just going to say we can probably pass over. Now, Sting? Sting? I've not seen Sting. I asked you about seeing him with the Grateful Dead, and you said you did see him. I saw him, yeah. But it was one of those those things where... it was weird. A couple summers in a row, the Grateful Dead played Buckeye Lake in in near Columbus. It's actually closer to you know uh, Heath or or Newark. Newark. Venue. I was just by there yesterday. Hebron. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, but anyway, basically a big fucking field, a, a big dirt mound, and a stage, and that's all it is. 
but it was fun. It was a good time. And uh, and when the dead came to town, it was a blast. I mean, because you might as well just park your car and stay there because you weren't getting out of the parking lot <laughs> more than five hours after that show was over. So you might as well bring a tent and a pillow <laughs> or some good acid, uh, you know. So uh, so Sting one year was one of the openers, and I I gotta say I was impressed. Uh, I I don't I, you know I was a, I wasn't a big Police fan, uh, and definitely did not really get into sting solo shit so i was gonna say the only time i saw sting was when we saw them with the police i think it was the blue turtles tour that he was on with the i who knows didn't he play a lot of uh beatles covers that day or something that's what i was gonna say the thing that impressed me was he played the beatles a day in the life and man oh man i never i've never seen mccartney or obviously lennon uh, but, uh, but I mean, that, that was about as close as I could get to the Beatles. I think that was pretty, and then, again, it could have been the acid, but still, uh, you know, that, so, that was, that was a great, uh, that was a great show. I was very surprised, very pleasantly surprised with Sting. So, so uh, Todd, you, there's a reason I missed that uh, tour. I was actually kind of getting into the Grateful Dead at the time, and that was my last chance to see them. But the reason I missed the show was my band at the time, Unconfined, we had a big gig that day at Polaris Amphitheater. We were opening for Motley Crue and Typo Negative and King's X. We were set to play with a side stage, you know, when everybody walks in, you know, and gets their beer, you know. We fucking got rained out. <laughs> so not only did I not get to play my big gig opening for Motley Crue, but I missed my last fucking chance to see the Grateful Dead and didn't get to see Sting with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> and that... And not only that, not only that, it was fucking shitty Motley Crue with the fucking other singer, fucking Karabi. Fucking, I know everybody, I know everybody loves that album, but fucking, we watched Soundcheck and he butchered fucking Home Sweet Home. I, we didn't even stick around to see Motley Crue. We, we left after King Sex because we were big King Sex fans, so we did stick around for that. I remember the, I, I remember, uh, I, I could save this, I'll save this story for next week uh, when we talk about T's. Uh, I got a typo negative story about them. What, what's our, what's, speaking of T's, what time are we at right now? Um, I was just going to suggest we take a little break. Uh, we can wrap up the other honorable mentions and get into our headliners uh, in, just a, in just a few. Sound good? All right. All right, we'll, we'll be back. back. We'll be back with more Ticket Stubs episode S. Welcome back to episode S of Ticket Stubs. Ty, we still got a lot to go through. Uh, man, yeah. let's hurry it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, uh, double back to last uh, segment. Um, there, here's a we were talking about Skid Row. Uh, there's from when they played Portsmouth. Just wanted to give my buddy's band Kill Jack a shout out there. They opened up that show. My buddy uh, Billy Guy. So uh, that was Skid Row without Sebastian. You know. But uh, here's the hey, stuff. Here's the stuff from the Paul Simon show, the infamous Paul Simon show that we uh, talked about last time. I had to print this out on my own computer. Very twice nice. In, twice in black and white. We weren't going to waste the color ink on that. Um, yeah, fucking. Uh, now, Todd, I know you're not into the uh, into the whole stoner metal thing, but uh, I I did talk about seeing Caius. Uh, they're kind of like the the big major band. Hi, Rocky. They're kind of the big uh, major band of the whole scene. And then there's another band called Sleep, who they're kind of one of these bands that nobody ever really thought they would maybe get back together. I wake up. Anyway, so I got to see Sleep. With a name like Sleep? What do you expect? Oh, dude, dude, they, they fit their name. Their songs are like, they have one album that's one song. It's like the whole 70 minutes of the album. It's just one song. That like, sounds like Sword. 
dude, they're slower than Sword. I mean, come on, with a name like Sleep. But anyway, I saw them in a really cool venue downtown called the Columbus Athenaeum, which I never even knew freaking existed. And, and you, you'll be proud of me, Todd. The first time I ever went to the Columbus Athenaeum, you knew who I saw? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> it was the night she won the Ohio primary. And uh, I really went to, I'll be honest. No, I know I, that wasn't on purpose. No, uh, my brother, uh, this is a Tom story. He had signed me up for her mailing list as a joke. And so I got invited. I was like, what the hell? One of the, one of the speakers leading up to Hillary was uh, John Glenn. I went for John Glenn, man, the right stuff. Come on. But it was cool. You know, just, you know, it was a cool little bit. Anyway, that's a whole aside. But so I'll sleep at the Columbus Athenaeum. Cool venue. Right. Now, you mentioned the sword. We can talk sword, about that yeah, together. That's, that's really all I need to say is I've seen him open like five times for Clutch, and that's <laughs> really much all I need to yeah, say. They're a good metal band. They remind me of Maiden back in the 70s. But really, I'm not going to go purposely pay to go see Sword. Well, uh, there's where we'll agree to disagree. They're one of my favorite bands uh, since uh, the last two albums. I like the two albums that everybody, that all the Sword fans hate. You know when a band makes a change in style and all their it's hardcore like me liking the first two Maiden records more mm-hmm. than anything else. No, it's it's like it's like people for the Sword fans. I think it's more like people that would like the Load albums from Metallica. People think I'm crazy. You know, I like the the, the newer experimental shit. But you anyway, like the Load. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. Yeah, right. actually, actually, I do like those Metallica albums, but that's a whole other story. But the Sword, I do like the Sword a lot. I was supposed to see them again. I was really excited because they were going to open the Primus uh, Plays Rush show this summer, but they're now, still on. Look, I'm not saying I don't like Sword. I'm just saying I, I get it. I get it. I, I've seen them because of other bands that I wanted to actually see. <laughs> now I, they're still on the they're they're still on the bill if the show you know actually happens next year. So we'll see. Um, Here's one. I could save this for next week, but I want to tell it now because it's fucking funny. Uh, D. Snyder. <laughs> now, I have seen Twisted Sister. I mentioned that. They opened for Made my first show. And I've seen D a couple times solo. But I was really excited for this show uh, in 2018, August. Uh, met a couple of my friends down at the Rose Music Center in Dayton. And uh, Warrant and Dockin opened. It's a great 80s night, you know. D had, a, D had a new album out for the love of metal. He was claiming, he was claiming that he was going to play a lot of this album, you know, and uh, I actually liked the album. So I was excited. Then I was also excited to hear the old Twisted Sister hits, you know. Well, uh, my buddy, and I'm going to call him out by name because he knows what he did. My buddy, Jamie McClinic, uh, I- I'm just glad he lived through the night, Todd, because, uh, he literally went to the hospital during the docking set. Uh, he drank too many Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> he freaking got so drunk on Mike's Hard Lemonade and prescription medication, we must add. Okay, uh, then. There, all right, that solves, that solves that problem. Dude, uh, yeah. Um, he went to the hospital in an ambulance. Fortunately, the hospital is like just literally a stone's throw uh from the venue how do i know this band of docking had already been there that night so (laughs) how do i know because when i was there waiting for them to pump his stomach i was standing in the parking lot of the hospital listening to the d snyder set that i was missing over at the fucking venue jamie i love you i missed d snyder because i had to go and make sure that you were going to live through the night but i'm going to be honest i'm going to confess right here todd i love my buddy but i knew i was going to die no, I, I couldn't do that. You know, Jamie, good dude, good dude. One of my very, very, very best friends. Uh, you're probably 
other than Jamie, you're probably the next, you know, like Bram is your friend before me. Uh, you're J Jamie is my friend before you. Now, <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, anyway, so I'm glad he lived, but I'm going to confess something here, Todd. I knew it was going to take a while to check him into the hospital and I didn't ride to the hospital with him in the ambulance. Our other buddy Lucas did that. Shout out Lucas. You're a good dude. I stayed and watched three D Snyder songs before I drove over to the hospital. <laughs> hey, look, that's, that's completely understandable. That That's, that's like the time Dennis left his girlfriend in jail for three hours because we were getting ready to go to go see Jimmy Buffett. So that's another story altogether. But um, all right, let's. Who right, do you right. got next? I got, I got nothing. Tommy Stinson, when we saw him open for two cow garage. Yep. Uh, yep. That's cool. See, and I also saw Tommy play with Guns N' Roses when he played. And, with and as a matter of fact, I believe Linda Lovelace actually opened that show. Linda Lovelace. Yes, she did. She did. I saw Tommy when he was part of uh, Axel's. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking I, Linda Lovelace. I, I, I saw uh, Tommy when he was part of Axel's uh, replacement band. Uh, so Tommy was played in two major bands in his career. Both were the replacements. Yeah. So. Anyway, now, Todd, I know you're not into this guy, but New York country guy, a big, big star, Chris Stapleton. You ever see him? No, you know anything about him anyway? But, you know, he did the son. He did the he did the whiskey, Tennessee whiskey cover that was real popular a few years ago. But I mentioned him because I saw him. I've heard the name. I've heard the name. I don't know. Okay. I mentioned him because I saw him with another S, legendary country guy, Marty Stewart. Dude, that's that's a fucking rock, Marty Stewart and and uh, his uh, his band. That's a little twangy side there, Kevin, but I, uh, I'll give it. I'll give it to you. I'll dude, Marty it. Stewart's a rock and show. All right, man. now, Todd, I know you want to talk about Bruce, but I got a few uh, others. Here. <laughs> I just want to get to dinner. <laughs> hey, you're the guy who wanted to tape early tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Good. All right, now, Todd, I know uh, you never saw the Stormtroopers of Death. I did. No. I was really, you know, that Scotty Inside Project. I, re back in I remember that record, though, from WOSR. Oh, fuck yeah. Speak English or Die. I mean, that that record's so on PC. I mean, you couldn't really release that record today. Dude, I'm surprised Donald Trump isn't playing that at his rallies. <laughs> it was also the theme music for Headbangers Ball. But uh, I, I, they did reunite in the uh, early 2000s, and they came to the Al Rosa Villa. So I did get to see them uh, happily. Uh then, um, let's see, uh, Sturgill Simpson. I know you're not into Sturgill. No, I am. I, my folks got to see him at the Grand Old Opry when they went. And I'm, I'm pissed they saw him before I did. So, and I never got to see him open up for the truckers. I missed that little tour. I missed that uh, run. I missed him opening for The Devil Makes Three, which it pisses me off. I saw The Devil Makes Three once at the Newport, and I have a poster for it. And... Years later, after I got into Sergio Simpson, I look at that fucking poster and just, like, kick myself because the opening act was special. Yeah, he's special. one I missed. He's I was, one I missed. I was sitting over at the freaking bar next door drinking. Uh, who's the fucking opening act? Sturgill who? But uh, the, I did get to see him at uh, Express Live, which is the old LC Pavilion, uh, la uh, what, 2016. That was a fucking rocking show. But, Todd, I was supposed to see him this year play his entire new album in its entirety. The, the show where he was purposely pissing off his country, you know, the country fans by coming out and playing his, his entire new rock album. You know, he was pulling the Neil Young. I liked the new album. I was all excited to see it. And, well. And the Trump virus hit. You it's can say it, Kevin. It's all right. China virus. China virus. But, yeah, so it was they actually. I'm not playing the Chinese. They had, uh. 
they I, I like my egg foo young. We call it Chinese because it come from China. But um what else you got? They had rescheduled the show for a Memorial Day. I actually thought, all right, all right. And then, of course, Might yeah. be a chance. Nah, nah. Now, he, he canceled the whole yeah, fucking But tour. I wanted to tell this story. Um, Phil Anselmo uh, from Pantera, who we talked about, you know, during Pantera. And then I mentioned that he opened the final Slayer show. One of his side bands was a band called Super Joint Ritual. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Make fun of the name. No, no. Okay. Keep going with this. Okay, so... One weird thing, they came to the Al Rosa two years in a row on the same day for whatever reason. He must have liked the day so much they just went ahead and booked the next year's day. But here on October 16th. He was expecting such a large crowd at the Al Rosa Villa. For, we got to nights. Fortunately, play, fortunately play before 2004, but we already told that story um, about his bandmate. But um, anyway, the, you'll get a kick out of this. It, Phil is known to be a closet white power dude he slips up every now and then and, and you know and reveals his kinda true like, kind of like trump re- reveals his <laughs> reveals his true uh, nature but um so on the on this night october 16th of 2003 he was on stage and someone had uh came on stage like for as a stage dive move and instead of getting on and getting right back off they grabbed like a towel or like the towel he was wiping his sweat off or whatever that was laying on the drum riser. Well, when the song was over, Phil was a little upset. He's like, uh, so I uh, want my towel back. He said, so uh, whoever came up here and uh, stole my shit, you know, uh, that sounds like something uh, N word would do. Now, Todd, in 2003, Rick Catella um, was hosting a lot of um, urban dance shows on Saturday nights at the Arosa Villa, and they were doing a lot of reggae shows on Friday night. The security staff at that time, pretty much all (laughs) African-American. I remember the crew chief, like, rounding them up. They made a beeline for the fucking stage. You know the Arosa Villa. There's only one way off the stage and back out of the alley. Nine big bruiser, you know, black bouncers are standing on the fucking side of the stage after uh, Phil has said this. He goes over and has a little conference with him. Uh, he, he ended up apologizing. He came back on the mic. He's like, uh, listen to the guy who I just insulted and what I just said. Listen, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, you shouldn't come up here and fuck with the show while it's going. I forget how he talked his way out of this, but they didn't beat his ass that night. That's it. Look, I'm the one that you're paying to be here tonight. <laughs> if I were to call you the N-word, I should be able to. My name's Dick Cheney. Oh, God. Now, Todd, we mentioned Sun Volt, I think. I don't know if we told about the show, but there's the actual ticket from Mr. Small's Theater yeah, in Pittsburgh. I got it. We really went for the opening act. At least I did. If you see there's Jason Isbell. Which we discussed in the brief Jason Isbell <laughs> segment. Now look look at the billing. Look out. at the billing on this though. Sunvolt featuring J- with Jason Isbell of the drive-by truckers. If you remember when we bought the tickets, he was still in the truckers. He was just going to go out and do a little solo tour. You know, no big deal. But this show was in April. Uh, well, in March, March 31st, March 30th, March, uh, right there, both. I think uh, it was two days in March. We saw the last two shows, uh, yeah, with his as Bell's last two shows. Like first, first or second. So, by the time this show rolled around, he was uh, a solo act, yep. And uh, Derry DeBorha, the uh, keyboard player for Sunbolt, mm-hmm. suddenly sitting in with Jason, and, ne- <laughs> and he, next thing you know, he wasn't playing with Sunbolt. <laughs> 
I was going to say he just kept on sitting in, and he's still sitting into this very day. So hey, we, actually, we love we love Derry. We actually Derry. witnessed the pilfering of an of a musician, Todd. That's like something you know you hear I about. That that, I think that was a fair negotiation. Uh, cons- considering where Sunbold is now and where Jason is now, I think Derry made the right decision career wise. I'm pretty so. sure uh, he 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 uh, did his old band a solid because I know a few years back uh, Sunbold opened a few dates for uh, you know his belt one of the yeah. bigger you know. Hey guys, videos. please give us some cakes, <laughs> Jesus. All right. So what else you got on on the roundup s's? Okay, Todd, I got one more quick story about young Kevin, uh, young young sixteen uh, year old Kevin going to Myrtle Beach now. I don't know. You know, every kind of beach town has like their, uh, has like the local band, you know, the band that, uh, you know, well, when I was going to Myrtle beach in 80 through 84, 85, um, there was a, a teen club called the magic attic and the house band there was a band called sugar Creek. Okay. So, so young Kevin went to see sugar Creek three, four nights in a row. I was like, there's a band playing the scene club. You know, my, my sister was glad to get rid of me. Sure. Go, go fucking hang out. Oh yeah. Have fun. Young, young Kevin met his first, first love there. At least I, I thought I, you know, thought I was in love with her. I stalked this poor girl for like a, two months or maybe a year after the freaking vacation Todd, Today, you could not, you could not call a uh, hotel and say, uh, yeah, I, I stayed there at this time. Could I just get my friend's, home address this is the hotel gave me this poor girl's address and i'm writing letters to her <laughs> remember me room 207 but anyway sugar creek never went on you know to make it in rock and roll but they did really? they, they did have the status of losing to um sawyer brown on uh, star search uh, here's another weather album i bought one of their albums in the early days and then i was all excited uh, a few years back I was surfing like eBay or looking on Amazon or something, and someone actually had the wherewithal to press like all three of their albums into one little CD. Wow! So, fifty-year-old so Kevin got to relive his, you know, sixteen-year-old fun. They're kind of a night ranger, you know, lover boys, you know, middle of the road rock act. As a, as a matter of fact. A, you know, like they would do a set of originals or mix their originals in with their covers because, you know, they had entertained teenagers for the whole night. Right. I remember the rest of their set was like Night Ranger, Lover Boy, Hollywood, Honeymoon Suite. What was that? You know, New Girl Now. Good beach band, you know. So anyway, but, but dude, they were old then. I looked them up recently. <laughs> These poor guys. They look like, they look like Lee Kerslade now. Uh, poor guy. Rest in By peace. Way, rest in peace, Lee Kersley. God bless him. Just passed away this week. So. Ozzy might never give you credit you deserve, Lee. But uh, hey, he got it. He got his records. He finally, his- finally, they they didn't mention him or Bob Daisley at all in the new uh, Ozzy documentary. Well, that's probably they didn't want another lawsuit. <laughs> Again, no credit. All right, Todd. So I think that's going to bring us to a couple of our big headlines. Final two. Final, Final two. Final three, I think, because I still have uh, suicidal tendencies as well. All right. But, all right. Then you go with suicidal then. Well, um, the thing I wanted to say about suicidal tendencies, um, I obviously discovered it back in the WOSR days, um, and our metal director at the time, uh, Frank Malseri, it was the Join the Army Tour, I think, and he told me, he's like, okay, you got to go see suicidal tendencies at the Newport. He kind of almost made it seem like it was a requirement if I wanted to continue uh, as a metal DJ. I'd, I'd never even heard anything by him. Uh, but I went to the show, 
Um, you know, again, saw that and heard. It was a bit of a culture shock. The first band that played, I actually liked. I didn't realize they were a local band. I was glad to find that out because I, you know, kind of, uh, you know, followed this band around a little bit like you followed Watershed in the early uh, years. But a band called Speed of Fright. So another S band. But uh, they were, uh, shout out to my buddies, uh, Matt and Zach from Speed of Fright. Uh, Matt still plays bass with Betty Machete and the Angry Cougars here in town. Uh, you, you may have, uh, you may remember them from Comfest, uh, Comfest past, but, <laughs> but anyway, the, the funny thing about that show, uh, Todd, uh, Robert Trujillo was not the bass player yet in Suicidal Tendencies. They had a guy named Luigi Mayorga and I don't, Hey, with a I, name like that, you got to play bass. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, back then, you know, I guess at the punk rock shows, it was popular to like spit at the band. You know, I was never into that whole thing, but apparently this punk rock chick, in the crowd I, I don't know if she liked the band or disliked the band but she spit at luigi well he fucking took his bass off and jumped into the crowd and literally got in a fight with this chick the bouncers jumped in you know they had to separate him i just remember the band just kept on, spit on me they kept on fucking playing well hey maybe no surprise if he was doing these things at the show the guy needed to replace so so the next album uh they came back uh how will i laugh tomorrow now I want you to look at that band picture here. This is this is a clue as to why that, Robert. That's the '80s suicidal right there. No, no, no. But who, which one of these things is not like the other? You got three cholos, a brother, and and the white guy. <laughs> so the white guy on bass, I don't think he he didn't work out obviously because uh, the, by the next album, Robert Trujillo, now of Metallica, had you know taken his place, and suicidal was really the gig that you know launched him to Ozzy and then on to Metallica. But what was funny about the How Will I Laugh show, Todd, first of all, I had a, a stage diving incident, not like you at the Ramones. I didn't get thrown out. But there weren't a lot of people at the Suicidal show then. They weren't, you know, as big then. They could right. really fill the Newport. I did a stage dive and no one caught me. And, and my brand new, you remember the Suicidal caps, you know, with the flipped up bill that said Suicidal? Well, that thing for years. Yeah. I, oh, I have one. I have it here somewhere, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep you waiting and try to dig it out. But I had just bought it at the show. I did a stage dive, hit the ground, ripped the whole fucking thing. <laughs> so, so I got to buy a new hat. I didn't buy a new one. Mine is battle scarred. You know, I, I went home and used my Boy Scout skills and, and sewed the damn thing up and, uh, Hey, you know, you flip the bill up all the time. Yes, exactly. You flip the bill up anyway, so you never really saw the main part of the cap. But uh, the, but what I wanted to say about that, my I mentioned Jamie McClinic earlier, who got drunk at the D. Snyder show and, and uh, you know, went to the hospital and had a stomach pump. Well, back in the day, Jamie uh, and his cousin and several friends from the hometown, they were always my recipients for free tickets at the Newport when we get we, we would get free tickets to give away from WSR. So uh, they came up for the suicidal show, Todd. I just remember Mike Meir after the show was working the merchandise booth and uh, Jeremy McClinic, Jamie's uh, brother, shout out Jeremy, uh, walked up to me and said, hey, you look like the uh, singer for Suicidal Tendencies. And Mike Meir looked at him and he's like, is that a fact? <laughs> anyway, and then my uh, last time, I thought that was funny. Uh, saw him open for Metallica once uh, at the Polar. Oh, at the Sodfest, the Sodfest that we had talked about at Polaris. Suicidal were the opening act that day, and Mike Muir had a broken leg. He sat on a couch the entire set. He walked out on crutches. 
I was like, why is there a couch in front of the drums? You know, he came out, sat on a couch with his leg, you know, kicked up to be elevated. Better in a wheelchair, I guess. He still did all his little Mike Muir dance, you know, <laughs> dance moves and shit. I need a couch. <laughs> <laughs> I need a Pepsi. I need a couch. But and then last year, Todd, you'll not last year, two years ago. You'll 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 be touched by this. Suicidal tendencies uh, played at the Incarceration Festival. They were on right before Clutch uh, when I went to see them up in Mansfield, mm-hmm. and uh, they got all they got a bunch of kids from the audience uh, came up on stage and got to you know you know dance and sing with them for a song. I thought it was pretty cool because uh, Dave Lombardo, the drummer, the old drummer from Slayer, the famous drummer from Slayer, he's in Suicidal Tendencies now. I just remember this one little kid standing back by him. You know, they gave him a drumstick, and this kid was like a toddler, and they let him you know, hit it. I was like, I, I want to stand back by Dave Lombardo and play the drums. <laughs> it's well, pretty it's cool, all, man, you know. It's all the Make-A-Wish Foundation to make up a story. Oh, dude, I just remember there was, like, one chick, like, obviously in her 20s. I think she got on stage into the way you got on stage for, uh, you know, Chuck okay. Berry. She talked the bouncer into it, or she offered him some favors. But it was all these little kids. <laughs> and then it's fucking like slutty one chick. mommy <laughs> probably one she was probably the toddler who was backed by dave lombardo's mom <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the children was bred by the band so yeah anyway so there you go that's suicidal tendencies for me we can now move into our actual official two headliners All what right. do you know bruce springsteen bruce, yes. bruce. look i never liked springsteen I I never I like Springsteen, but just never he, he priced me out. He's one of those guys that priced me out. I never you know never wanted to pay the money. But by, but no by 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 the time that he hit popularity uh, with his Born in the USA shit, uh, I was like I don't want any part of this fucking flag waving fucking New Jersey redneck. Uh, no, didn't want didn't want anything to do with it. But that wasn't him. He wasn't. He wasn't a flag wavy New Jersey redneck. No, no, no. But I mean, again, though, you mean the crowd that was that he attracted at the time? Well, and I, I think I think the image that the videos portrayed, the fact that Ronald Reagan wanted to use it for his theme song, even though Springsteen abhorrently <laughs> disagreed with him. Using typically, it. typically happens with politicians wanting to use music. It almost uh, well, it's, it's like uh, <laughs> Trump Trump using the Stones. You can't get what you want. They've asked him five fucking times. To hey you know uh, artists can say what they want but once you put your music out there and you take the licensing fees for it you know hey you, you roll the dice fucking you just gotta let fucking how do you think fucking chrissy hine feels about rush limbaugh using fucking uh you know, went back i know to- i know but hey, hey we're, getting, we're getting far off topic i, I know i know we're not gonna talk about politics but it's it's, it's springsteen is a political guy i was gonna say it's hard to talk about springsteen and not mention politics by so all i tell you what i tell you what got me into politics Colin Gow, okay. who, who hopefully will get on the show. Got eventually. you into politics or got you into Springsteen? Both. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Springsteen politics. Okay. I was going to say, I thought you grew up, uh, you know. You grew I, yeah, up well, I've always been into politics, but yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I I don't think I understood where, where Bruce was coming from back in 84 until okay. I actually was able to hear it through someone else's voice hear the lyrics through someone else's interpretation and then go back on my own accord and look up the records and listen to them myself again at another pace. So, so again, you know, it it took, it took watershed uh, to get me into say Atlantic city or to, uh, you know, 99 
or uh, you know those kind of things. So I, I will give I will give Colin Colin Gow full credit for getting me into Bruce Springsteen, and the the first time that I saw him was actually on that tour when John Kerry was running for president in 2000. Uh, when, when did he get fucked over? 2008? Uh, <laughs> 2004. And uh, so anyhow, so like all these different bands were coming together uh, and doing this tour, if you recall. Uh, and the group that I wanted to see was Springsteen, John Fogarty, R.E.M., and I forget there was somebody else. And uh, but yeah, but Springsteen was was the main attraction, and I remember going solo, going up to Cleveland, hitting a bar near the arena before the show, and running into some die-hard Springsteen geeks. I mean, like you know, I mean, you know who was a die-hard Springsteen geek? I won't get off on a tangent. I'll let you continue. But you know who was a die-hard Springsteen geek? Uh, Steve Dury. Shout out Steve Dury. His two favorite bands were Leonard Well, I was going to say, if you love Skinner as much as he did, that makes sense. Yeah, Skinner and Springsteen. That was Those were his jams, man. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, so where was it? What the fuck was I talking about? You were at Cleveland. You were going uh, to the show, and, and um, you met some hardcore Springsteen geeks. I'm talking to these guys, and this guy's a total fan. And he asked me, he says, you know what, you know, if you could pick the set list, what do you want to hear? And I said, well, you know, if I, it was my choice, I got to hear the river. Uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite. John 99. And, you know, no surrender. And the guy says, dude, you are in luck because I've seen this tour and he plays all three. So, <laughs> kind of like, uh, like when Heather went to Pearl Jam. She got all, all the songs. So again, that was just one of those nights where Springsteen was great and the rest of the show was fine. Uh, but again, hearing the three songs that I wanted to hear made the night that much better. Now, on top of that, when I'm talking to this guy and I told him that, I said, well, and as far as Fogarty goes, I'd love to hear Badman Rising. He said, well, good luck with that. He's, Fogarty's never going to play that. Well, guess what, folks? Nobody played Bad Moon Rising. Nice, so, nice. So, folks, let me, let me tell you, that, that, that was one of those nights where uh, the, the stars aligned and everything just worked out as karma was meant to be. Now, the other time I saw Springsteen was actually on our illustrious campus of The Ohio State University uh, on the small oval, speaking in front of a crowd before playing uh, for John Kerry, uh, before John Kerry gave a speech. So I've actually got a ticket stub with Springsteen and John Kerry. So I don't, you know, not a, not a lot of Springsteen fans can claim that, folks. So. Pretty cool. A lot of politics on this episode. We've had Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, uh, Springsteen, I've had uh, it. China well, virus. Hey, what can I what can I say? Look, Kevin, I'm pissed off. Uh, you know, not, not not to date this episode, but you know, uh, uh, a lot of shit's been going on the last weekend, and uh, we'll we'll get to that on an episode of what the hell was that? <laughs> exactly, real? exactly. I know, I I know you have fuel for the next episode of what the hell was that? So yeah, so I'm, all right, I'm so happy for you there. But uh, that's pretty much all I got for Springsteen. I think we got one last S before we wrap this S up. We do. Um, we can't talk about S's without talking about uh, the, the band who, the, the first album, Todd, I ever bought with my own money. And, and I had to borrow a dollar off of my brother, Tom, uh, to do it. Probably charged a five. I, he yep. probably charged me interest, I'm sure, or, you know, made sure he beat me up to get it back in a, you know, a timely manner. But he did. He loaned me a dollar. So thank you, Brother Tom. Uh, 
But I bought this album right here. It's uh, at Rinks. Rinks Department Store. And this is actually, I think this is my original album. No, now, okay. did you get one of the original um, demo copies sent to uh, uh, radio stations with a little baggie of Coke in it? <laughs> no, for the pay-to-play, I did not. I, I did have the poster. That's what I was hey, hoping that, to that, that's, that, that's better. That's better than getting the free poster. <laughs> but I did have the poster, which was basically this picture here in a big, giant poster form. And, and I, I mean, uh, I, I, may, I, I may have looked a little gay as a teenager. I had the poster sticks on my wall. You know, Tommy Shaw is looking a little... Dude, I, I had a Welcome Back Cotter poster in my room until I was in, like, in third grade. So I'm not <laughs> I, joking. I think I balanced it out with the Heather uh, Thomas poster that was hanging, you know, the pink bikini poster that was hanging right there. Oh, but, that was uh, now, I didn't get to see Sticks back in the day. Uh, everybody I know went to see the Kilroy Was Here tour, but for some reason, I was when my parents, you know, weren't, Allowing yeah, me to go to shows. Did you see them back when you were I, there? I didn't see them until DeYoung was already gone. Me too. Like, that's what I was going to mention. I think we – did you see them for the first time at Polaris? I think so, with, probably with Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, the first time, actually, it was with Peter Frampton. Go, go figure. Um, this is – it's funny that you mentioned DeYoung being gone because I remember being about halfway through Sticks' set. Saying, that's not Dennis DeYoung. I said, Dennis looks sounds really good, and he looks really young. But, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin, it, it wasn't, it was not yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. But, uh, one of the, one of my favorite, uh, stick shows, uh, and there's actually a DVD produced of this, so you can go watch it yourself. But it was when they did the, uh, the Grand Illusion, uh, album and the Pieces of Eight, uh, tour together. They did right. both, uh, they did both albums in their entirety, you know, two sets. I went to see them at the Palace Theater and, um, Number one, it was, have you ever watched that DVD? Have you ever seen that show? You, I think I might have watched it with you. You would love it. The beginning, the kid walks into his room and flips. It says 19, it comes up like Star Wars. And it says like 1977, you know, and it has the screen crawl, you know, the age of glorious music. You know, obviously, Todd, you think all great music ended around then. Um, and then the guy comes oh, in, he flips, he flips through his albums. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, there's, of course, like Kansas and Foreigner albums in there. And then, of course, he pulls out the Grand Illusion and puts it on and boom that's you know when they come on stage and then after the first four songs tommy shaw's like you know hey we're at the end of side one what do you do at the end of side when you get to the end of a record you flip it over you know and then they so they like show on the screen you know the guy flipping the record over they continue into song two side two i just remember there was so much cool Unless, shit. of course you were listening to eight tracks in which case we just go click in the middle of the fucking song yeah. <laughs> you know your favorite song would fade out Grand, welcome to the click <laughs> but uh i just remember uh there we they had so much cool shit going on on the screen that i kept getting my phone out to take a picture i i got home and i had something like 180 photos of the fucking screen but todd the funny part of the show I moved up to the balcony. I went by myself, so I had, so I had a pretty decent seat on the main floor. But I moved up to the balcony for the Pieces of Eight portion of the show. Mm. And while I was waiting, during the intermission, while I was waiting, I found a nice seat along the front of the balcony, right over the stage. Really good seat. But these guys are talking behind me. You ever hear some people sharing completely wrong information, and you just don't correct them. You just, you know, enjoy enjoy the story. So this dude's talking to his buddy behind me. He's like... So, um, Dennis Young and James Young, you know, he totally missed the D in Dennis. Dennis Young and James Young, they're brothers. 
and they hate each other. But Dennis, he lets James use the name. <laughs> the guy couldn't be any more wrong about the whole fucking stick situation. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm biting my tongue. Do I want to turn around and look like Mr. Fucking Sticks Geek and correct these dudes or I just want to laugh? I'm surprised and, you didn't. <laughs> nah, I thought it was it was much funnier to come home and tell the story on Facebook, let other people laugh and, you know, tell their stories of other, you know, completely fucking wrong information. And, uh, of course, I can't talk about Sticks without mentioning my sister Mindy, who joined us uh, for our Leonard Skinner episode, of course. And uh, we did finally get to see Sticks together at the uh, LC. And I remember we, we were chilling on the lawn, you know, we just, you know, got seats all the way in the back, kind of against, like, the fence. But I had to drag her down front. She totally, Tommy Shaw is like her dream man. She calls her, she calls him my Tommy. And so I, I had to get her down front. So I just remember dragging my sis, you know, right down, like, you know, right within two, three people of the stage, you know, letting her really, you know, experience that. And then I already talked about it in our Eagles episode where, Sticks, Ario Speedwagon, and Don Felder all played a show where I actually got to go again with Mindy and my brother Tom. So, you know, we got we had the whole family out with Heather and Tom's uh Tom's lady Janie and Mindy's uh Mindy's uh, guy Steve and you know, we all had a good time uh, you know, with Don Felder fucking stole the show, <laughs> but uh it was fucking great. But and that was only one of what, a thousand times that Sticks and Ario Speedwagon have played together. I have at least a lot. They I have at least scored, two. They've quite a bit, and uh, I have at least two other stubs here in my stack that are sticks and Aria Speedwagon. It's like, and they probably play the exact same set both shows. So really, uh, yeah. Uh, now, all right. So, do you have any other particular stick story? Because I got I got one more to add before we go. I was just going to ask you if you've seen any sticks members solo. Have you seen Shaw or Dennis? What? No, actually, I did. I met Tommy Shaw. I met yeah, Tommy we we Shaw. didn't hear about you, you. You met Tommy Shaw with the damn Yankees, which we saw with that show. Yankees, but I actually uh, saw um, I actually saw this show, which was really good. Shaw Blades, and uh, it was him, Tommy Shaw, and Jack Blades. Well, that's um, who I met. It was Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades? I met him at QFM. They were doing the uh, the barbecue QFM thing. Mm-hmm. Ted Nugent uh, was not there at the radio station. However, I, I'm going to tell this story via a third party. Uh, Rob Walker, who was there, uh, tells the story of how a fan – now, it's a barbecue, folks. You're at the barbecue. You're with celebrities. You you get to hang out with celebrities at a barbecue. And one of the guys has a burger in his hand, right? Tommy Shaw's a vegetarian, okay? (laughs) The guy's just eating his burger, minding – Mind his own business. Tommy Shaw's like, don't eat that. Oh, my God. And then Ted Nugent comes up and goes, don't tell the boy what to eat. Let him have a burger if he wants one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's one, I, one. I know he said, Tommy, he, I remember Ted always talking about, like, when the damn Yankees would get together on his property to be like, oh, we'd go out and hunt some carrots for Tommy, you know. Oh, yeah, all right. So, now. Oh, but what I wanted to mention about Shaw Blades was uh, they, it, it was a good show. It was an acoustic show. Uh, they had a third guy that sat in the back just for harmony vocals and then third acoustics. So it was almost seeing, like, America or CSM back in the day. I remember uh, Tommy making fun of uh, – of, uh, of Jack, he said, uh, like, Sticks was doing an in-store at some point around, like, 1983, 1984, and they were marveling at the pretty girls in the poster at the record store, and it was Night Ranger. 
So Tom, so uh, Jack responds by, oh, you want to talk about, you know, the way we used to look. And he literally had a big standout cutty, you know, big standy on the stage. At, up till that point, it had been covered up with like, you know, like a draping. He pulls the draping off and it's a fucking standee of Tommy Shaw in like the the short, like, you know, gym shorts that you would wear to go roller skating in the 70s and like super tight, like half shirt, <laughs> you know, at the midrange. <laughs> So, you know, good, good, you know, good nature ribbon between the guys. So, anyway. All right. So, I got one final story before we wrap this up. And this is really actually a Jim Steinman story. Okay. I have the encore. Okay. Go ahead. And then uh, it was actually, it's a watershed story as well. So, we, you know what? Fuck it. Let's save that for watershed. Go ahead. Finish it up. Todd teases. Uh, we had mentioned this and talked about this off the air. Uh, you and I, uh, we also talked last week. I mentioned WWE Raw, and you said that you had uh, seen a couple of uh, those with me. Well, one one show that we did, I actually see together, was a SmackDown, a WWE SmackDown. Here's the actual ticket. Um, it was March 30th of 2004. I'll have to go look that episode up, you know, on my WWE Network subscription sometime and, you know, see what exactly happened. But, you know, sometimes um, if you go to an event and you don't know exactly everything that's going on, you might miss out on something. I didn't realize at the time we went to that, the WWE are famous for doing something for the live crowd after the show goes off the air. Mm-hmm. Well. I I won't blame you for this, but I'm sure at the time you were probably like, hey, come on, let's get out of here. Let's beat the crowd out of here. So as soon as, I mean, literally, as soon as they were, you know, off the air and, you know, we saw the copyright go off the screen, we left. Well, that night, uh, The Undertaker was the headliner uh, after they went off the air. So uh, we missed our our chance to see him come out in his his full, the full glory of his wrestling entrance. Todd, the, the Undertaker entrance is considered like, uh, you know, seeing the stones in the wrestling world. <laughs> Bong, well, like, I should turn the lights out here. here. Here's what it would be like. Here's what we miss. Well, if anybody's still watching, this is Ticket Stumps. <laughs> Todd, what we got for next week? Uh, who the fuck knows? We're uh, on T. We're on T. We got Tesla. T. We got Triumph, which I never really saw. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to make you jealous by talking about Triumph. Traffic uh, train train. I hate those motherfuckers. <laughs> I got I got a funny train story. Um, DJ Tim- Thomas, top that. I, I I I've got something on the satellites. I've got something on this list that tops uh, everything for tea. So I saw Temple of the Dog. So we'll tell that story. Fuck you! I saw Tina Turner. So uh, <laughs> all right, well we'll get to that next week, folks. All right, Kev, anything else you got? Uh, check us out on uh, YouTube. Check the rest of our shows out. Check Todd out. What the hell is that? He's he's getting geared up uh, for coming for new episodes. More coming. Check out our audio on Podbean, uh, on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon, Google Play, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. So uh, there's lots and lots and lots of 5 for 2 productions out there. 
hopefully uh, we get Colin on the show, Todd. We can get the five for two story. But never know. Never know. You never know. We do have the drummer. We, we've got the drummer. That, that's that's a, that's a guaranteed. Herb Herb's coming on, so we it's will. The drummer. The drummer. All right. <laughs> All right. Until next week, I am Kevin. That's Todd. This is. Dig it up. Can you See dig you next it? week, bitches. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I've still got theory attraction.